So tonight we're going to jump into Ephesians 3. And um, okay, this has never happened before, but I've studied and studied and studied. And the, and the Lord would not let me write down any notes. I mean, I tried like four times. And he was like, nope, that's not it. That's not it. So I don't know what's going to happen tonight, but we're just going to take it verse by verse. And if at the end of the night I had nothing to say except what the word of God says, it's a lot. So I don't know. I've, so I don't have any notes. I just, I have, um, I, I printed up the message version because I wanted to kind of co- do some comparison with that. But Mo would be so proud. He's not in here. He'd be so proud. I have no notes. So I don't know. It's scary. Anyway, it's, I'm many Philippians. Did I say Ephesians? I do love Ephesians. We're in Philippians 3. (laughs) You know, we were in Ephesians for like eight months, I felt like. (laughs) But we're in Philippians tonight, Philippians 3. You know, I say that. Oh, this is Philippians. Okay. I was like, I say that. Is that Ephesians? No, that's Philippians. Okay. I can't see. Um, So as I was just studying today, I just... I think that the Lord is going to give me some of what to say as I'm reading is what I really felt like he was going to do. So we're going to go with it. Paul is uh, writing again. This is one of his prison epistles and he was in prison writing this and he was writing to the church in Philippi and he actually loved this church a whole lot. And this was one of Paul's babies. You know, he started the church and, um, and you have to remember that Paul had this really bad reputation with, with, with Christians and um, so when he's going around starting this church, I mean, these people took a risk on him. They took a chance on him. And so when he's, he started these churches and then he kept on his missionary journey, he ends up in prison. And he's writing these letters to the churches to, to uh, reprimand them, to exhort them, to tell them what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong. And so here we find him in, in Philippians 3. I thought it was so neat. I'm, I'm listening. I told you all this. I'm listening to the Bible um, through the year, like a like a read the Bible in a year. I'm listening to the Bible in a year on my little app. And um, this morning I was in, and I have been in Leviticus. It is nothing fun. It's just let's just listen and get through it. But it was funny because I haven't really studied for this. I've been reading Philip for, for like the last week. I've been listening to Philippians three. I've been reading Philippians three. I just kind of been getting it in my spirit, but I haven't studied. I didn't, I don't like to really study until the day of, because I have lots of distractions that happen between now and the time I have to teach. So, I, but it just, I don't think it was a coincidence that this morning I went walking and I'm listening to Leviticus around chapter, I don't know, 12 or something out where I was at, but it was talking about all these things the priest had to do, the people had to do, um, under the law. And I was, I mean, at one point I was, I was at the track over here and at one point I was like, and I said it out loud and I realized those people around me, I was like, geez, Louise, like seriously, like one, one part was talking about if a, if a guy or a girl starts losing their hair, then they have to be brought to the priest to, to check them for any, like, if, is it, are they just going bald or is it any sores? I read through the Bible plenty of times, but it's something about listening. I'm telling you, I'm like, I was so frustrated this morning walking for these people. I'm like, I'd have been like, just forget it. I'm just going to die in my sin. I don't know. It's, it was so much. You know, I mean, even to the point about they had to walk around saying unclean, unclean. And I thought to myself, and I said this out loud too to myself. They probably think I'm crazy at the track, but I had both my my things in. So they probably thought I was talking on the phone. That's what they probably thought. I said to myself, thank the Lord for grace. And at one point I'm walking and I was like, thank you, Lord, for grace. I was so thankful I didn't have to do that. 
that had nothing to do with this except when I got to in Philippians 3 and I started studying this, I was like, this is what Paul was talking about. And I don't think it was a coincidence that I was listening to that this morning and studying this today. So let's just get into it. So I'm just going to say I'm so thankful for grace. And it's what Paul's trying to say here. Like, we've been thankful for grace, thankful for the cross and what Jesus did. I mean, if nothing else, we don't have to go around saying unclean. Because I, I don't know how they kept up with the, the rituals they had to do. I'm like, how did the priests keep up with who was good and who was not good? And, and I'm sorry, men, but what women was on their menstrual cycle? Because that was a whole big ordeal too. And I was just listening to that this morning going, oh my goodness. Thank the Lord for grace. You know, it was it's crazy. Hey, go read Leviticus. You'll be, you'll have a whole new revelation about grace. It was, it was, it was something. So anyway, let's get into, so I'm going to be reading from the NIV and the message, but I'm going to start with the NIV. Philippians, not Ephesians chapter three says this. Finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. And it's a safeguard to you. I love that. Paul's following. He's trying to close up a letter. Um, to, to the church there. And he was trying to say, okay, finally, cause he had talked about, if you, if, if you remember, it's been a little while, but we talked about in the earlier part of Philippians, how, um, he, he prayed for them. He was thankful for them. He also talked about, you know, my favorite one was here, have the same attitude as Christ. He talks about being, uh, humble. Um, that, and as, as children of God, we should sign. So he's telling, he's t- giving them all these things and how he's going to send Timothy to them. Then he says, finally, my brothers rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. It is a safeguard for you. Verse two says this, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. And let me stop right there. Because as I was studying today, I I just realized this, that when we think of those dogs, actually what they were talking about was not the little pets that we have that are so cute. It was actually talking about like a pack of dogs that are just, um, they're dangerous. They come and, you know, will will hurt you for food. I, I didn't, I, and we don't really know about that, I don't think, in our culture. But there was a time when I was in El Salvador that we were doing this street ministry. We just got on the street and we just started, put the, plug the thing into somebody's house and we started doing these, you know, the human video stuff for, it was called um, spectate, spectate, anyway, evangelism, where they kind of, spectator evangelism. And so anyway, we're doing, we have, we have our whole team and we're doing this and we're drawing a crowd, right? People from all over the village in El Salvador is coming and we're presenting the gospel message. And then all of a sudden there was this pack of dogs. Apparently there was a female dog in heat and this pack of wild dogs came running down this hill and they all told us, they were like, get out the way, take cover. And we were like, we didn't even know what that meant. Take cover. And because, and so Anyway, later we found out that the, the wild dogs there, like they will tear up anybody or anything in their way to get what they're trying to get to, right? And so, I, so when I was studying this today, I, I had that, that image of like, that wasn't a cute little lap dog. That was a wild animal dog. And so, and so Paul's saying here, he's saying in verse two, watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh, verse three, for it is we who are the circumcision, We who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for such confidence. He goes on to say, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more reason. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for the legal... 
as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Um, okay, so remember the church in Philippi were the Gentiles. These weren't the born Jews, the chosen people, right? And we, t- we heard, learned in, in Ephesians that that was a big deal because all of this time before Christ, all the, the people had been taught, you were either, there was Jews and then there was everyone else. And the Jews were the chosen people and then there was everyone else. And the Jews were the only ones who had the rights and access and the promises of Abraham and of God because that, and so when, then when Jesus came, he came for the Jews, the Gentiles and everyone else, right? And so all of a sudden we learn this in, in Ephesians, all of a sudden, everything you really had grown up knowing wasn't true anymore. And, and that was a lot. And in Ephesians, we talked about this, how everything that you almost had to reprogram your mind to rethink things because when Jesus came, it, he came to fulfill the law. Well, they, all they knew was the law. And all of a sudden the law wasn't the law anymore. And some people had a really tough time with that. And so these are these churches that are starting that now they're Gentiles. Some of these were Jews, but a lot of them were Gentiles. And so now what Paul was saying is that, Hey, you have the same rights and privileges as a Jew, which was crazy talk back then. So Paul's saying here, he's saying, listen, you got to be very careful of, of these dogs, of these people, these men who come and do evil. What he was saying was of the ones who are saying that you can only get to, to God into the, by, by being circumcised, by converting to Judaism. But, and Paul was saying, you got to be careful of that. Like you have to know that. And so if anybody can boast talking about the people who were trying to say this was right, he says, out of all them, I can boast. Because I was, I was born Hebrew. I was from the tribe of Benjamin. Like I was circumcised on the eighth day because that was the big difference between the two, right? I was circumcised. So he says, if anybody can boast, I can. So what I'm saying here is you need to be very careful about who you let and speak into your life about what they think they know because I can speak into your life. Matter of fact, I was persecuting the church. I want you to be careful about that. And Ben, I was, as I was just reading this today a couple of times, I just thought, you know, it's the same thing today. We got to be careful of what we think we know. What we think, you know, you may, for me, I was born in church. I, you know, my joke was I was born on Sunday morning in church on Sunday night. Like I was raised in church. I have to be careful of what I think I know, what's been ingrained inside of me, that maybe is not necessarily what Jesus is even that's even his platform anymore. You know, we, and we've talked about that a couple of times. Like it's the whole roast analogy, you know, we got to make sure that we know, we know why we know it, not because it's what we've been taught or it's the traditions that's been carried down. But why do we actually do that? Why do we actually believe that? What's about that? Right. I want to read to you out of the message. Message says this. I'm going to just read through verses six. It says this. And that's about it. Friends be glad in God. I don't mind repeating what I have written in earlier letters. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. Better safe than sorry. So here goes. Steer clear of the barking dogs, those religious busybodies who are all barking no bite. They're all interested in the appearances. Knife happy circumcisers, I call them. The real believers are the ones the spirit of God leads to work away at this ministry, filling the air with Christ's praise as we do it. We couldn't carry this off by our own efforts, and we know it. Even though we can list what may, what many might think are impressive credentials, 
You know my pedigree, a legitimate birth, circumcised on the eighth day, an Israelite from the elite tribe of Benjamin, a strict and devout adherent to God's law, a fiery defender of the purity of my religion, even to the point of persecuting the church. Okay, here's what I want to stop right here and say this. I have to be really careful that I don't become um, so self-righteous. And I'm going to use this myself as an example. Because I was raised in this, because I know all the rules and know all the laws, I have to be really careful how I present myself to the world. And so what was happening here was before Christ, you, you were who's who if you were born Hebrew, if you were born from the lineage of Abraham, if you were circumcised on the eighth day, keeping all the rules, you were, okay, that was, you were somebody. But let's put it to date to today. What if you were raised in church? What if you weren't? But let's just say you were. What if you were raised in church? What if you just made all the right decisions? What if you live a good life? What if you, we still have to be careful that we don't become um, one of these, one of these kind of people. He calls them knife happy circumcisers. Because what you want to do is you want to literally, let's just talk spirit realm, okay? Because I know that was a physical act, but it's now it's spiritual. So like we just want to cut people with the word of God because we know it, right? And I have to be, I have to be careful all the time that I don't think I know something better than somebody else and want to, and teen challenges to say scripture whip them. Just because somebody may not know the scriptures like I know them. What Paul's saying is here is, hey, let's concentrate on what really counts. And that's the ministry of Christ. That's doing what he set out to do. That's telling a lost and dying world they're going to hell and that we have a way, we have hope for them. Let's get about being, being about that, you know? And I, listen, I, I, I feel like Paul here, I want to say, listen, if anybody has a right to boast, it could be me. It could be. Because I, I was born in church. I made good decisions. Not perfect, but I made good decisions. I was, I was zealous for my faith, even to the point of making somebody feel bad because they weren't like me, right? I get that. But even in all of that, none of that, we're going to talk about that, none of that matters if I am not fulfilling what Christ called us to do. It's not going to, and here's the thing I love about God. We're all in the same boat. I was thinking about this one time. There was this, there was this couple in my church in West Monroe and they had some gifts. Like God had given them some gifts and they probably were, um, from the wrong side of the tracks. If, if I could say that they probably, um, were not educated. And I remember being a young adult watching them work in the gifts of the spirit. And I would say to myself, I don't even know how that happens because I knew their testimony and the Holy Spirit spoke to me one day and said, do you think I care about any of that? I don't really care that you were raised in church and I mean, he does care, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't make him, it doesn't, the Holy Spirit doesn't judge us on that. He looks at the heart right here, right now. And I, rem- I remember that I learned a very important lesson that day. And that was this in God's kingdom. We all have the same opportunity in God's kingdom. It doesn't matter that I was born Hebrew, that I was circumcised on the eighth day, that I was raised in church my whole life, that I made good decisions in God's kingdom. I, anybody with any pedigree has the same rights and privileges 
as anybody else. And when you see people like that who are operating the gifts, you know what I say now? I know they prayed the price. Because there's a price for the giftings. And it usually involves a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting, and a lot of loneliness in life. Because God will take you to the high places, but he won't usually take anybody else with you. Right? And so I just, when Paul was saying this, I'm saying, I was thinking this, that this church probably was getting very confused because all of a sudden they're having these people come in telling them what they're not doing right. And so they're feeling like, well, you know, I really wasn't buried in church. I really wasn't circumcised. I really wasn't born from, from the tribe of Benjamin or Judah or anybody else. And Paul's saying, hey, don't get sidetracked by that, guys. We're going to be true worshipers here. He says this in verse, uh, let's see, verse 7. No, wait, he says that. Verse three, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Jesus Christ and who put no confidence in the flesh. See, so we got to just, it doesn't matter about where, what our testimony is, although that does matter. I don't want to say it like that. It's just in God's kingdom. He's saying, be careful of people who want to promote you because you're this and this and this, right? You're promoted because God says you're promoted. And usually there was a high price to pay for that. Right. I, I remember one time in our church in Dezalmas, they had this guy who um, who needed some deliverance. And, and back then I knew nothing about deliverance ministry, although I was raised in church my whole life. But they failed to teach me that part. And um, so I knew nothing about deliverance ministry, but I knew something wasn't right. And I knew him before he got oppressed. So I knew that there was a person inside of there that was a man of God. And I was in our so this his family was. They didn't know what to do. We didn't know what to do. Um, so we just kept praying and praying and praying. And finally, I remember his mom saying, um, every time he would be getting tormented, she'd call me and I'd go over there and I'd just start praying. And she, one day she said to me, she said, why is it that you're the only one who can calm him down? And I said, I don't know. So that bothered me that she said that because I felt like she was saying, like, is there something going on with y'all? Like, that's what I took it at. Like, like what, why are you the only one who can come over here and do that, you know? And so one day I'm praying and the Lord said, Lord, I saw myself praying day and night. Literally, I, I mean, I lost probably 20 pounds. I was fasting all the time I was because I didn't know what to do. And I remember the next time I saw her, I said, I have an answer for your question. So the reason why I have authority over this situation is because I prayed the price. I'm not saying that to boast. I just know that I put in the time and God is, I have authority in this area, right? Who knew years later, God would use me in deliverance ministry a lot, but guys, here's the thing. Anybody has that opportunity. Anybody has that opportunity to have the gifts of the spirit and to be true worshipers like he's talk, but Paul's talking about here by just praying the price, spending time with God, getting to know him. Let's not just you know, be, we, we be hearers of the word. That's great. But also be doers too. Like, God, okay, I'm going to take your word. I'm going to take it by precept by precept, but I'm going to start operating that in my life. And if you say, love my enemies, I'm going to love my enemies. I'm going to really live that out. God, I'm going to see what happens because we all, it doesn't, you don't have to have a degree for that. You just have to have a willing heart and a sensitive spirit to want, you know, want more of God. Okay. I'm getting way off here. Verse seven. <laughs> But whatever was to my prophet, Paul says, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing great 
greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is by faith. I want to know God. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings becoming like him in death, and so somehow to obtain the resurrection from the dead. That was very important for Paul to write for a couple of reasons. Number one, in his neck of the woods, he was somebody's somebody. He, had went, he was born of the right family. He went through the right training. He had, uh, for lack of a better word, he had climbed the ladder of success in his um, job and so except the except for the encounter with God he was going places in his realm of the world where he was at so for today that would be like somebody who is uh you know got a college education which nothing's wrong with that I have a college degree but who got a college education who is doing what they're doing who has climbed the ladder of success and Paul says all of that he counts as rubbish to not know, to not know Jesus Christ and him crucified and the power of his resurrection. And you know, when you get there in life, I think, I think that there comes a time in your life where you, we all have to take inventory and say, what am I really doing? What is it? What am I really doing that has eternal value? Uh, we, we have this all the time. Matter of fact, my boys roll their eyes when I say this because they will get on a subject. Let's just use an example. Maybe some athlete who makes a lot of money has been caught with drugs in her system. Let's just say that. Okay. And I mean, that becomes this big talk and, and my boys, you know, who are, who are not very experienced in the world will say, I don't understand that. I mean, you have everything. They had money and women and cars. And, and they, so they recognize that. And yet they still will throw it away on getting in and lose everything for this drug. You know, they'll say that. And, and I, so I've said this plenty of times. I'm like, guys, this is, this is because in life, if it's not eternal, it doesn't matter. It's why I can lose everything for a high because it's not an eternal value connected to what I have. And so they'll, they'll, so now I'll say this. So they, they get all passionate about whatever and I'll say, does it have eternal value? And they're like, mom, <laughs> I don't want to go there. But don't we all get like that? Don't we all get on soapboxes about things that have no eternal value? And Paul lived his life like that. I mean, he was like keeping the law to the point of persecuting the church, trying to keep the law, and it had no eternal value. But when he got a revelation, when he had an experience with God, all of a sudden, none of that mattered. So it would be like something that right now is so dear and precious to you, all of a sudden, that doesn't even matter anymore. You know when we, you know when we really get it? When we are at the bedside of a loved one who's about to die. Or when we're one day we'll be at that point where we're about to die. And we start thinking back over our life, what really mattered. And really what's eternal is what matters. And Paul was trying to tell the church in um, Philippi this. He was like, listen, don't get swayed by these, he called them dogs, but these people that are trying to tell you something that you know better for. Don't get swayed by that. Hey, guys, what's really going to matter? Everything that I had was nothing compared to what I have now. 
And if we could ever get that, if I could ever get that, like God, the, the eternal things that matter. And, and just in case you don't know what matters to God, I'll remind you again, it's people. Always. People matter. Souls matter. You know, they have the little, the whole little thing, um, Black Lives Matter. You've seen the big campaign. And then, then they'll have uh, blue matters for the cops, you know. And, and I thought the true slogan is, for God so loved the world that he died because all people matter. We ever, all people matter. So if you want to know what's important to God, it's still about souls. Always, always, always about souls. And so when I, in business of my day, when I'm laser focused on what I'm doing, I have to remember that it's still about souls and people matter. And so when I, when I get along with God, spend time with him, I don't have a problem with that. When I don't, then people become an interruption and an aggravation for me. But there's always a little test right there of how you know if you spend enough time with God, does people aggravate me? Because people matter. People matter. Okay. I hope you're getting some because I have no notes. We just free, this is just freehand in here. Where am I? How am I doing on time? Oh, okay. Um, so verse 12 says this. That's actually some of my favorite scriptures right here where Paul says this. Not that I have already attained all this, or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. I love that because you know what? Too many times we get caught in the past. Too many times we get caught looking behind. Hey, even as a church, we get, we get caught with that because we had some good days in the past. And too many times we get caught thinking of the good old days when the truth is revival could be right here, right now. But you know, it was always the good old days. I can remember my parents talking about the good old days and my grandparents talking about the good old days. And listen, I ain't going to lie. Sometimes I miss the good old days, you know, because it's what we were used to. But God is doing a new thing and he's a new God. Not he's not a new God, but he's doing new things. And you know what I'm saying? He's all, I love when I think about this, all of the Bible is God, but not all of God is in the Bible. He's doing new things and we can be a part of it or we can fight it. And then we have to have that road to Damascus experience. And that's not ever fun. That's the season my friend was in today. And she's getting a new revelation of God and grace, right? Um, I want to read out the message, what it says here. Verse 12 says this in the message. I'm not saying that I have this all together, that I have made it, but I am well on my way, reaching out for Christ, who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus and I'm off and running and I'm not turning back. The goal of that was for Paul was to know Christ and the fullness of him, to know everything about him. I want to know his sufferings. I want to know his resurrection power. I want to know the fullness of Christ. You know, there's another part in the Bible where somebody got to see God in all of his glory, and that was Moses. And, you know, when it says Moses, when God passed by, and, and he could see just the back of him, but all of his goodness passed by, was what Paul was wanting to strive for here. And what, what that really was, was all who God is. It was his love and his grace and his mercy and his gentleness and his patience with us. I mean, he is patient with us sometimes. I'm like, I, God, I know I'm just as hard-headed as Hayden. I know I am. I know. 
I know I'm just as hard-headed. I know he probably has stories about me like I have about Hayden. I just know it. Because we're human. And he's patient with us. That's part of his goodness. That he's patient with us. That he loves us. And so reading on in the message, it says this. Verse 15. So let's keep focused on that goal. Those of us who want everything God has for us. How many wants that? Keep focused on the goal. If any of you have something else in mind, something less than total commitment, God will clear your blurred vision. You'll see it yet. Now that we're on the right track, let's stay on it. Verse 17 says, stick with me, friends. He's talking to the Philippians, but he can be talking to us. Keep track of those who are running the same course, headed for the same goal. There are many out there taking other paths, choosing other goals, trying to get you to go along with them. I've warned you of them many times, sadly. I'm having to do it again. All they want to want is easy street. They hate Christ's cross. But easy street is a dead end street. Those who live there make their bellies their gods. Belches are their praises. All they can think about are their appetites. But there's far more to life for us. We're citizens of high heaven. We're waiting for the arrival of the Savior, the Master, Jesus Christ, who will transform our earthly bodies into glorious bodies like his own. He'll make us beautiful and whole with the same powerful skill by which he is putting everything as it should be under and around him. You know, when I think back to the grace of God and I think back to, you know, grace, it is a free gift, but it wasn't free for him. He paid the price that we can have grace, that we thank the Lord did not have to fulfill the Levitical law. But with that, he's saying, okay, you have grace, but it's so that you can carry on doing what I need you to do. Being my hands and feet extended, telling a lost world about the Savior. And I think if Paul, who was writing to the Philippians, could write to us, he would say this. Hey, guys, don't be distracted by what was so good years ago. Don't be distracted by what people tell you. Know me and the fullness of me. Well, Paul's saying that about God, about Christ. Know Christ. Know the fullness of Christ. And then let me be your God. Because, you know, if we're, if we're all following the same person, we're all going in the same direction. And sometimes I wonder, all these people in this planet Earth who call themselves Christians, who are in disharmony and disunity, Somebody is not following the same master. Now, I'm not pointing fingers because it could be me. That's why we have to check ourselves. That's why we have to make sure that we are doing what Christ has called us to do. Because if not, we're going to be one of those ones who get to heaven and think that we did it all good. And he says, depart from me, I never knew you. How sad would that be? How sad would that be? To think you know someone and know them well and they never knew you. And so, um, so let me encourage you today. Again, I know I've been teaching this a lot, but get in the word of God. It's our standard of truth. Know Christ. Know him not just in the good times, but also part of his sufferings. That's actually what brings us closer to Christ. Now, nobody hates that more than me. I hate when I don't know. I hate the Jeremiah 33 season that I don't know. But you know what? It's those times that I'm closer to him. It's those times that I rely on him. When things are going good, I don't need him quite as much. I talked about this with, with Hayden. He does this, still does this. He's 15. But he, um, when he's sick, all of, now right now, he's not sick. He don't even need me. Matter of fact, we had this conversation right before church. Hayden, wh- where are you going? Well, me and Hunter are going to pick up Kaylee and Paige or whoever for church, a group of kids. And I said, 
Well, is somebody going to ask me if they could do that? He's like, mom, we're going to pick up people for church. I, I get that, Hayden, but how are you going? In your car. Okay, did somebody ask me if they could use my car? He's like, I didn't think you would mind. No, I don't mind. What I mind is that you taken for granted that you don't have to ask me. So he was like, okay, mama, you know, so he's at right now. He's not sick. So he doesn't really need me. He just does what he wants to do. Right. But let that boy get sick. And all of a sudden he can't get out my bed. And all of a sudden I have to help him get something to eat. And you know, it's, he's just, he's just, he's hating. And I think about that, how, how that will parallel in my life with God. When things are going good, I don't even ask him. I just do what I want to do. I just, I'm going to talk to this person. I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to talk to this person. I don't even ask. And I think God, I'm up to you up there going, uh, hello? Can you, would you want to ask me what I'm doing? You know, really? I mean, I'm being transparent and real. But we get like that. We get almost too big for our britches. And God has to remind me that, hey, you're only 44, little girl. You better ask me if what I'm doing. How about that? But when I'm going through a tough time, man, he's right here. I don't even take a breath without saying, do you want me to breathe? Like, what do you want me to do? I don't know. I think I'm, it's, I messed up everything. What do you want me to do, God? And I think it's where God wants to keep us. He does love us being independent children, but always dependent on him. He wants us to grow up spiritually, but he also always wants us to love and respect him and at least give him the time of day, Right? Because we can get very caught up in coming to church and doing the church thing and even living the Christian life without ever having a relationship with him. And so Paul's saying here, listen, none of us have arrived, not even somebody with a pedigree is mine. We need to get to the place where we know Christ. We know his fullness of who he is. And we're not bound by the law, but we're bound by Christ. And, and what he says. And so I hope that made sense. I don't even know if that even made sense. Did anybody have a comment? Pastor Mo, I had no notes tonight. I know it was scary. Anybody have a comment about that? Next Wednesday, I'm going to teach Philippians 4. Hey, when I don't have notes, I actually got through the whole chapter. Oh, wow. Okay, next week, I'm going to teach um, Philippians 4. And then um, soon after that, I'm going to teach a little series on angels and, um, and God's plan for angels and the, their purpose and what they're doing in the earth today. So it's really going to be good. I, I enjoy teaching on angels. And um, so I've been saying I was going to do that. So I'm going to do that. And so I'm excited. So you don't want to miss that. Hey, I love the Lord. And I, I tell you, it's um, this life is uh, we're blessed but this life is not easy and it's not easy every day making time for what we don't want to do. And our, and our, we fighting against culture. We fighting against flesh, but men, et- think about eternal and, and I'm, for me to think about eternal and what really matters and what really matters at the end of the day is, did you please the father? And it doesn't really take much to please him, love him, serve him, worship him, and then just be his hands and feet. Be there for people and ask God, hey, okay, here's your homework this week. Ask God to send you somebody who you can share his love with this week. Do it every day. He will. He will. He'll send you somebody. So, okay, I'll tell you one story because we have two minutes. So when I was teaching warrior school, we we went out, we called them um, looking for God moments. 
And so I had my whole, my whole little warrior school team. I was like, okay, this week we're going to go out and we're going to look for God opportunities. And we're going to ask him for opportunities. He's going to give us opportunities, right? So one of my, stu- one of my students, Terry, um, she prayed and she was going to Walmart. Now she had to go to Walmart anyway, but she said, God, I'm, I'm on assignment. So you send me someone who needs you that I can be you to them, right? And so they all had this assignment, but she was like, I'm going to Walmart. I'm specifically going to look for somebody at Walmart. So she said, I'm in, I'm in the uh, pharmacy area and I have my basket and I turned the corner like this. Now she had prayed before she walked in and she said, there was this older lady who stopped her and said, <gasps> when she saw her and Terry was like, Hey, hey, you know, she said, I, I, I seen you in my dream. And Terry was like, okay. She'd never seen the woman before. And the woman said, I don't, I just, when I saw you, I remembered I had a dream and you were in my dream. And Terry said, well, I actually just prayed and asked God if there was to send me someone who would need me to pray for him. And well, the woman starts crying right there in the middle of Walmart. She got to pray for her. She was having some health issues. She got to pray for her. She led her to the Lord. And so and all of that because, and it was, it was just a good story. Terry just told about that they, they had this long conversation in Walmart and stayed connected. But all because Terry just asked God for a God moment. God, send me somebody who I can share you with. I'm thinking, if my kids came up to me and said, Mom, can I pray for somebody at school? I'd be like, absolutely. Mom, can I, can we open the church and have a prayer service and I invite my friends. Do you think I would say no to that? Well, as the heavenly father, I think if we asked him for an opportunity to share his love with somebody, I think he would do everything he could to make sure that happened. So this week, let that be your homework. I'm going to take the challenge too. We're going to pray for opportunities to find someone that we can share God's love with. Because after all, that's what it's about, right?